0: good morning good morning this is the tom ficklin show and it's really a pleasure to be with you once again i have the the honor and and blessing and pleasure and harry's going to make sure that that what I, those words remain true after forty eight minutes of, of chatting to harry and harry's our state t- t- station manager today, and Robert Goodrich is here with me from the radical advocates for cross cultural education we 're going to talk a lot and Robert good morning by the way good morning, Tom. And, th- good morning. and thanks for thanks for being here on time uh, unlike myself, but you know time is really a fascinating thing, and that 's what we're we're going dis- to discuss time in a way in, under this under, under the context of social social justice social change, what does it mean in two thousand sixteen to be discussing social justice, social change. What does it mean if this was 4,000 BC to discuss social justice, social change? So there's a, a, uh, eternal quality to those phrases. Uh, we're going to focus on, uh, t- 2017, uh, in terms of actions, action steps and strategies and prospects and, and allies and, and, uh, army development and kind of coming together as a, as a society, but under, under the radical, uh, uh, expression of what does it mean to be, to be free and to be educated and to, and to evolve as a society. So with all those metaphors, uh, 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 put aside the radical advocates for cross-cultural education and, uh, uh, Robert say you're one of the co-founders. Yep. And, uh, uh, that's really a a fascinating thing to have him in front of me now, uh, to discuss again, radical advocates for cross-cultural education. That's a mouthful. Uh, Robert, we might not get a chance to go through every aspect and nuance of what that phrase means. Um, but we're not going to rush it either. So we might just start off with one question. And that question might lead to 48 minutes of discussion. We might move, move the two questions. We'll move around. Um, but the beauty of this station is that the shows are archived. Almost all of my shows this year will be under the theme of social justice, social change. And to have to start off the year, to have Robert Goodrich with us, again, one the, one the co-founder of Radical Advocates for cross cultural Education, is a, is a fascinating opportunity. Let's jump right in and Rob you came down from Waterbury today right That's right the yeah. City Yeah I, I came uh uh maybe a mile and a half from here and, and, and I was I was somewhat somewhat late so you were on time so I appreciate your uh, I don't mind kind of airing my laundry uh, out out in public in that regard so thanks for 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 being with us But yeah tell us about Radical Advocates for Cross Cultural Education and why that's important kind of thing who you're looking to kind of recruit and uh how you view yourself philosophically, but not only philosophically, but politically and and uh, from a social economic standpoint, and just what are you about, and why is it important to you, and why do you think it's important to others? So, if you can ask all the answer all those questions in ten seconds, that would be great. All right, <laughs> that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> I know well, that
1: <laughs> one. And anybody that knows me is I, I'm a talker. I'll, I'll, all I'll right, talk, I'll talk your ears off. Good. Cool. The, it, big question. I think the first thing that I'd like to acknowledge is that being here and centering my voice as a white male mm-hmm. for social justice and the elimination of systems of oppression is, mm. is uncomfortable mm. because as a process of deprivileging myself, I don't like to center my narrative throughout my discussions about education reform and education justice. Mm-hmm. So I always want to acknowledge that okay. in terms of trying to uh, not let that myth of the white savior right persist. Okay, in my own ethos, and as I work to uh, challenge these systems, so I think that's first. First Perfect. and foremost, thanks,
0: thanks for sharing that. That's so important. So important.
1: But radical advocates for cross cultural education in three seconds is we're trying to improve out educational outcomes. Yes. And, uh, the historically uh, underrepresented and underserved. Dr. Arlene Arias and Shante Campbell, my fellow co-founders, and I got together a few years back and decided that the best way to impact uh, the systems of oppression that uh, non-white children and families experience, such as the uh, systems of uh, economic oppression, uh, the lack of uh, political power, Mm -hmm. uh, and the inequities in the uh, criminal justice system is to build culturally competent educational practices. And and in that way, if we start with that as the base, we can have a cascading effect and help communities uh, develop independent power away from traditional uh, forces and instruments that have
0: traditionally oppressed them. I love your sharing that, and particularly the context with your 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 acknowledgement of the of the full transparency of your ethnicity, and again we hear these terms uh, colorblind and, and color specific and 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 uh, diversity and inclusion. So some, sometimes we, I, I use the term creole myself. Uh, so it's fascinating how these words still, even the 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 controversy about whether we have whether race is biological or or psychological or or kind of a historical construct. So we can sometimes we can get so so, so metaphorical, but still in twenty seventeen we're still discussing this issue of race and class and the oppression. So let's jump. I'm I'm going to come back to some of the more your 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 vision statements and how you guys started, but let's jump for in terms of radio folks on always uh, unfortunately to their through their loss, listen for 48 consecutive minutes. So if someone's just tuning in and have to go, how do they, how can they join you or do you need folks? Do you need help? Do you need assistance with strategy? Do you need additional visionaries? How, uh, how do you see your, your role in terms of collaboration and, and uh, unifying forces with other uh, socially concerned uh, entities, not only in, in Connecticut or Waterbury, but throughout the United States?
1: Well, I think that the best place to start is to go to our website and that's uh, race.net, R-A-C-C-E net and from our website, you'll be able to quickly glean what what it is that we're about. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily, we're an organization that doesn't require uh, financial support mm. from individuals. We're not a, we're not a nonprofit. Okay, we don't sell memberships. We don't sell services. Uh, we're a grassroots organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shantae, Arlene, and myself all have other full time jobs, and. Uh, we, so,
0: so this is a labor of love then,
1: uh, love and passion and purpose. Absolutely. And I think that uh, one of the uh, ways that we distinguish ourselves uh, within the communities that we work. So well, we're there to challenge the system unapologetically and un- unrelentlessly. So, And I think that being free of those bonds, not that it's nice not to get paid for the work that mm-hmm. you do, mm-hmm. but we're free from those bonds of uh, influences from people that might be funders or people that are paying for services or buying memberships. And that pretty much allows us to uh, navigate the world that we work in, in terms mm-hmm. of ed reform mm-hmm. uh, and only work on the things that
0: neatly fit into our strategy and our vision. Well, so, I appreciate you saying that, particularly sharing that you're doing this uh, as a labor of love and out of the goodness of your heart and, and your, your body, mind, and soul, and also have to still, pay the piper from the nine to five standpoint. So folks often talk about the need for sacrifice or the need for, uh, even masochism kind of thing. But I see that you you guys are doing this from a really a heartfelt uh, standpoint. Help us to, to visualize Robert, if you would, um, uh, the organization in action, if you will, uh, if how, 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 if could I, should I attend an event? How can I see the fruits, if you will, of your labor?
1: Well, I, I think you can see it in a variety of ways. Uh, As time has gone on, we've held uh, different types of events. One was a Black Girl Summit where we focused specifically on the uh, discipline disparities and the push-out of uh, non-white female students in the Waterbury School District. Mm -hmm. And we spent a whole day with education professionals, parents, and community leaders discussing the importance of implicit and explicit bias, Mm. uh, the tacit relationships between educators and students, and how, uh, whether a perceived value actually exists within that relationship. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, uh, that day was a great day. That was in August of 2015. That was kind of our, uh, that was our, our, our very first event. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a controversial event. Yes. We revealed some, um, data and information about the Waterbury public schools that wasn't necessarily received by the people in power. Uh, it, it didn't comfort them to let, uh, have that information be, projected to the public in the way that we did it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we had a mayoral debate Mm -hmm. where we had the Waterbury mayoral candidates and we had a couple hundred people come out and we had a a debate specifically on ed policy, what the mayor uh, or the next mayor was going to do to uh, affect the change that was needed to improve the lives of uh, students and families in the city of Waterbury.
0: Um, The other ways that we work are doing these equity snapshots. Equity Snapchat, not, not equity Snapchats, but equity Snapchats. That's right. No, race is not on Snapchat. Okay. Um, where we go about
1: uh, collecting data, whether it's from the school district or the state department of education and linking uh, that information to the social cultural, So we find out, for instance, the disparities in discipline between Hispanic and black students versus their white counterparts. Mm hmm. And now this is a national
0: problem, just not a yes. Waterbury problem. Yes,
1: um, So we say, well, why does this exist? We publish a white paper.
0: Mm-hmm. Ident- no, no no, pun intended.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, that's th- part of the rhetorical discourse mm-hmm. of white supremacy. Bro. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good catch there, Tom.
0: Thank it's you. It's okay. No problem. Um, and, and I got that, a lot of black paper. I brought it you know, kind of counterbalance. So we're, we're in uh, good shape.
1: All right. right uh, <laughs> I have to use my white pen to write on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And my <laughs> black ink. You know, So we'll, we'll be good. So it's, uh, from those, uh, snapshots, we're able to identify the problem, uh, identify the, the body, the Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. that is being Mm -hmm. most impacted. What's Mm -hmm. the long and short term impacts of that and then propose solutions. And then we slowly go to legislators and policymakers to ask them to make change. Um, and that was, this has probably been the most, um, disappointing part of the process. Uh, is that we thought we would be able to create these really neat publications, mm-hmm. hand them to people in power, and they'd say, "Geez, Robbie, thank you for creating this. We're going to mm-hmm. go ahead and change mm-hmm. in the way that we exact the, the way that you exactly prescribe it." And that hasn't happened. So uh, that's one of the strategies that we have to change. And this is where race's evolution uh, is going to happen in 2017. Is mm-hmm. we're going to try to more closely work with the two most important stakeholder
0: groups in education here in Connecticut. What are those two? Those are parents Mm -hmm. and those are uh, professional educators. Okay. So I don't want to put words in your mouth again. This is, this is ostensibly the Tom Ficklin show and, and uh, uh, WNHH 103.5 LP. And my guest uh, today is Robert Goodrich, uh, one of the tri tri founders, not necessarily co-founders, but tri founders of the radical advocates for cross-cultural education. But this is really the Robert Goodrich show and his co and his, and his other two co-founders. This is their show. So, Tell us, uh, so so again. Let's stay on it's on twenty seventeen, and I, I appreciate your transparency about uh, indicating some of your 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 you know the lack of success in some regard. But moving forward, so we know that the legislature is back, and your state rep and state senators. So I hear you saying that uh, there's, there's still work to be done and, and, and share a little bit, elaborate a little bit more on what you guys are proposing to do this year, uh, what you can do more successfully with whatever help you might need. I just want to really have folks know this is a proactive discussion and not just a discussion of educational philosophy.
1: No, I think that uh, that's important to note because I sort of get lost in the sauce sometimes. And that's one of, one of the criticisms that I take to heart and I'm, I'm trying to get better and change at. So I want to speak more from the heart and less from the mind. Okay. Um, So this past year, uh, in 2016, we all, uh, most of us know about the critical uh, case that was uh, ruled on by uh, Superior Court Judge Thomas Mm Schmuckschwauer, excuse the pronunciation if I got it wrong, Yes, Uh, and the problems with school funding here in Connecticut. Now, uh, despite the appeal and despite the judge's ruling, we have to go forward. Yes. And I think that one of the most important things that we have to accomplish this year is to uh, create... And support, and what I mean by create and support is to come up with a way where students' needs are the focus, and then uh, let the taxpayers know that we're going to uh, use their money wisely and efficiently mm-hmm. uh, to meet the non-delegatable duty of the state to educate every student in the state of Connecticut. Um, but we want equity
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In,
1: in school funding. We don't want equality, mm. and there's a big difference when we talk about uh, ed justice we need to talk about equity as opposed to equality because students right now in the state of Connecticut and particularly in Waterbury don't get exactly what they need in terms of services and funding. They get what is given to them and what is perceived to be equal access to educational opportunities.
0: I really appreciate your saying that folks that, that some folks that know me, some people that think they know me, sometimes I think I know myself and I don't, but let me get to the point. I am in my own, uh, uh, silent thoughts, uh, I love history, kind of an, an addict, if you will, to history and particularly in terms of educational philosophy, whether you want to look at Plessy versus Ferguson or the Brown versus Board decision or even here in Connecticut in terms of Sheff Chef versus O'Neill, part 10. I mean, I guess there's maybe been five dis, uh, actual decisions, but in terms of the permutations and derivations, there's uh, the Sheff versus O'Neill issue in terms of the constitutionality of uh, educational uh, equity or or, or kind of uh uh, f- financial kind of distribution on a fair, and b- fair and equal basis. And now we have still in 2017, this most recent case that you just alluded to, which is, which is again, historic. And it's also captured national attention, even in some of the internet, international journals, because Connecticut has for a long time been in, in the, in the news in terms of our constitution. And it's, uh, uh, applicability to, to educational reform in terms of funding, et cetera. So you guys are on the cutting edge in terms of allies or friends or associates. Again, I would still want to stick on 2017. If I want to get again and raise.net, I love, love that. It's a nice short, sweet, um, uh, website that people can go to. But so are there any upcoming events that you, that people should know about if they want to, if I happen to, I, I know you guys are doing this voluntarily, but you would accept my million dollars if I, if I so chose to, to donate it or bequeath it to you. Not necessarily sure, I could say unequivocally, yeah <laughs> okay, okay, all right, but you you'd pass it
1: on to somebody else that could use it, absolutely, okay, and I would uh if you got a million to throw at, throw at me to do some fun stuff, um maybe buy a new fishing boat or um,
0: get my own island started but, uh, and and to start a college on the island or at least the elementary school or something, okay, I'm down, <laughs> um so
1: in terms of allies, we uh, being a small grassroots organization, we look to to leaders here in Connecticut mm-hmm. and uh, institutions or organizations that already have the structures and frameworks set up to impact change. Good. So well, one of the people or groups of uh, organizations that we depend upon in terms of partnering with and, and forming coalitions are groups like CONCAN, mm-hmm. um, um, which is really a phenomenal organization. Yes, they have
0: an upcoming event this month that I'll, I'll post uh, along with this site. Yep. Uh, you yeah,
1: Jen Alexander, Liam Sweeney, um, uh, Alder or Daryl Brackeen uh, mm-hmm. a group of folks that have been uh, very welcoming in terms of offering leadership and uh, guiding us in some of more, more of our principled uh, attacks if you will on the yes. system and then you have uh, information sources here in Connecticut uh, and particularly in New Haven the CT the Connecticut School Finance Project with Katie Roy mm-hmm. and, and the work that they're mm-hmm. doing on that very hyper specific issue of school funding so they're uh their model is something that we would like to to mimic in terms of
0: being able to uh, provide accurate information in a timely fashion. Indeed, and even state uh, ed commissioner, one of the state ed, state educational board commissioners, Eric uh, Clemens, his organization Con Concan is having an event event on on educational uh, equity and and justice, uh, and I'll post that on this month as well in January. Uh, I love the way you you've mentioned those names because you're not you're you're, you're clearly not working in isolation, and we need. I like to say all hands on deck like crazy. I mean, even if you think you're not with an organization, if you're, if you're, if you're a city, if you're, if you consider yourself to be a citizen of Connecticut, you're paying taxes. So you're invested in this issue one, one way or the other, whether you uh, don't have to be a parent, don't have to have someone that, you know, in the school system, you are, if you're, if you consider yourself to be a citizen of, of if you're paying any state taxes, you're, you're, you're going to be affected by what's going on with our educational policy and, and, and fiscal distribution. Uh, what, what's you mentioned, uh, do you remember, like the the the? I want to kind of go to to you in terms of your journey in life, and I appreciate your mention, your awareness of your identity and what that means in a social, social political context. What do you remember the trigger point? Did you meet Arlene and your other tri founders at a, at a group at an event? Do you remember the, the what light bulb went out? Do you remember when you kind of kind of guys came together as a, as three disciples? I think I need to take a, a uh, to go back a, a few years before
1: that. Fine, to, yeah. To really yeah. I, I identify the the rude awakening mm-hmm. um, that my actually had my, my privilege cracked. Okay. And okay. there's a, a group of young men and women from Baltimore, the leaders of a beautiful struggle, uh-huh. Dave on love and Adam Jackson, um, who were students down at Towson university. Okay. And they were uh, in, in Maryland, I believe. Yep. And mm-hmm. you have Devrick Murray uh, as well. Um, they're connected with uh, the collegiate debate scene and, we had very interesting conversations for, uh, uh I guess over a, a two or three week period that uh-huh. we were down there about, oh, how my whiteness is constituted and how it re- uh, reflects into their lives on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sort of, uh, they weren't that friendly to me and well, they'll be friendly to you. Uh, but it was important for me to, uh, get that root awakening. Okay. Be, uh, because at that point in time, I didn't think that I had a life of privilege when, uh-huh. when someone asked me, so. Yes. Um are you racist? Okay? In my understanding of who I was as a white male, I would say no, my best friend was black.
0: Uh-huh. Right, I, right, right, right. That was right. my best answer. Yeah, I yeah, grew up in a yeah, black neighborhood. Yeah.
1: My best friends are black. No. Um I don't I'm not I don't have a racist bone in my body. And um <laughs> now as I said I could talk about this for hours on end about the relationship yes. that they developed with me in a short period of time and uh, they They run a very
0: successful organization down there in Baltimore, and what 's the name of it again? Leaders of a beautiful struggle leaders of a beautiful struggle, and I appreciate your sharing that because in terms of the epiphany or a Damascus road or just the journey that we all experience. Sometimes the light bulb will go off brightly. Sometimes it'll be a 60-watt bulb. Sometimes 120. Sometimes it'll be a, a laser. Sometimes it'll be just a candle flicker. But this journey of, of awareness and, and exposure to who we, who, we, who we see ourselves to be in, in, con, in conjunction with as society evolves is something that we, we all are on. I mean, the term white privilege really is kind of a new, a reasonably new term in terms of our vernacular. Uh, but nonetheless, we can see that in 2016, 2017, 2010, et cetera, uh, these words continue to evolve to kind of give us some Maybe some kind of guidepost to what does it really mean? Challenging us, what does it really mean to be a be a human being, a species on the planet at, at this point in time? Uh, so, Robert, I appreciate your sharing that particular part of part of your journey because that's part of what this show is about in terms of social justice and social change—is how do people locate themselves, not only from their organizational identity but from their their individual perception of themselves in this this paradigm of social justice, social change? But take me again to the birthing point. I'm really kind of always curious about how. How, how things beco- co- co- become cohesive and kind of manifest themselves.
1: So uh, in Waterbury, almost three years ago, there was an event uh, that the Concern Black Clergy, uh, shout out to Pastor Wade and Pamela mm-hmm. Hughes. They have that, an upcoming event, I think,
0: this Saturday, actually.
1: Yes, they have actually uh, the MLK Explosion Weekend in Waterbury, mm-hmm. at, uh, Waterbury Career Academy, and then their Black Tie Affair um, uh, that they're also hosting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun weekend and um, centered on some really good stuff and yes. some good people. So they had an African American forum. I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I was blogging, uh, at the time and, and doing some, uh, critical analysis of the Waterbury, uh, city park system. Mm-hmm. And I had just completed a 40 page critique of visual record of the city parks and it was mm. picked up some, uh, national attention in terms of congressional reporting. And I was on the news. So I I decided to attend this event, to take some pictures, and to uh, write about the event that uh, Pastor Wade and a uh, f- few other uh, African-American leaders in Waterbury were attending. Mm-hmm. And uh, I created like this little uh, sketch-up sheet of the current status of the Waterbury Public Schools and ha- just handed them out. I didn't, yes. didn't want to hijack the uh, event. Mm-hmm. And I just handed them out to people as they left. And Shantae was the first person to reach out to me and sent me an email. And uh, she was a, a Waterbury public school, uh, graduate from Willby high school mm-hmm. and went on to Duke, uh, university and graduated with uh, a couple degrees. She's a, a phenomenal, uh, young talent that, uh, the state is uh, lucky to have. And then Arlene reached out to me.
0: Mm-hmm. See, good, good,
1: good, good. And then all of a sudden some things started to click and change and all three of us were invited to be a part of the, um, greater Waterbury NAACP, good. uh, And we started working together uh, uh, after the branch was put together on the education committee. And from our experiences with the NAACP, we decided that it was best for ourselves and the community to
0: specifically focus on uh, education reform and water bearing. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, and again, I I appreciate your, we hadn't really, as, as many of you know, the Tom terms of the Tom Ficklin show, I don't, don't have necessarily rehearsals with guests. We might correspond uh, through, through Facebook or other ways uh, prior, but it's, it's kind of an unscripted script, but you're, if I, if I did do a rehearsal, I would always ask uh, uh, my particular guest, you know, to talk about, Again, that that birthing experience and the importance of 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 connections and networking, and you've just indicated how again, if you show up, you're present, you share. Sometimes, and most times, in my belief, things will be attracted to you. People will be attracted to you. We'll, we'll find we'll find that symbiotic relationship, that that synthesis, that collective synthesis that takes place. We're like individual atoms in my mind, and as we kind of bond and kind of circulate in in the in this thing called called life. Uh, it's it's easy. It's not easy, but sometimes it can be very. Uh, a fraught with with uh, with the capability of kind of connecting and and being a greater whole. So I, I appreciate your sharing that, and particularly mentioning the the uh, uh, the clergy association, the NAACP. We know in history we have the Black Panthers, we have the. Snick, we have CORE, we have Urban League, we have AME Zion, AME, a- AMEs, we have CMEs, we have so many denominations and ways to kind of define ourselves. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I'm not hung up on the, the multiplicity of how we how we define ourselves, but I am kind of hung up on kind of bonding and, and uniting and, and kind of even being innovative and creative. And that's what I hear you saying, that your, your experiences kind of caused you now to be, to be innovative and creative in the creation of the Radical Advocates for Cross-Cultural Education. We're going to take just a little break here, a little, little musical break, uh, this is the Tom Ficklin show. And as say, hey, Robert Goodrich is with me. This is really the Robert Goodrich and crew show, but he's allowed me to kind of chat with him uh, for, for a while. And then we'll be right back. Uh, and who, who, the, 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 the track we're going to play. I don't know. I'm going to let the spirit guide me. That was Phil E. Brown in the top-notch ensemble. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP Community Radio. Tremendous, and F- Phil's uh, uh Phil-, Phil would not mind my saying this about him, but he's a persistent marketeer. The, the Philly Brown and crew, and and I say that with the highest respect. I'm known uh, around town, and also, and you know, perhaps up in at, at other parts of the United States as being a, a person involved with marketing and. And communications and public relations and you do your brand is important so uh, Phil I highly respect he might call me or email me or send me a text every every uh, every week about he's playing here or he's doing this and you got to believe in your craft you have to believe in my mind it's you it's it's, it's not an ego kind of thing it's not a narcissistic standpoint but it's helpful to believe and have faith in what you're doing and talking to Robert I'm getting the Robert Goodrich from the radical uh Uh, advocates for cross-cultural education and his crew, they believe in what they're doing. And although they're new, their belief is still strong. And I would even say it's not necessarily exploding, but uh, increasing in its depth of of commitment. Is that fair to say?
1: Oh, I think it's fair.
0: And so we were just talking off air about a few points as we kind of wind down. And the first one you'd like to chat about.
1: Well, I, I I think one of the primary issues that uh, we want to address is in Improving school connectedness. Mm. Okay. Paraphrase that for me. Improving school connectedness. Well, we want children and families, students and families to feel comfortable Mm. and Mm. safe Mm. in school. Mm. Now it's just not safe being free from physical harm, Mm -hmm. but it's about emotionally and psychologically feeling safe. Mm. And and that leads to valuing the education system Mm -hmm. uh, that they'll inhabit for 15, 20 years. So primarily, when I speak to about this, we have to change the faces in the classrooms. We have to get more non-white educators to come and teach
0: and stay and teach mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. urban centers. Mm-hmm. And say that again, because I, I, I don't want that to slip over people's minds. <laughs> we need more black and Hispanic teachers
1: in the state of Connecticut, particularly in Waterbury. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our primary focuses. Now, Arlene uh, sits on the... State Legislative Task Force for Minority Teacher Recruitment with Mm -hmm. a couple of your local people, Gary Winfield and Robin Porter. Mm -hmm. And she also sits on the uh, Oversight Committee for the State Department of Education for their policies and programming for minority teacher recruitment. And in that way, we're trying to impact the candidate pool and the retention rates for the Waterbury Public School Systems by uh, directly influencing legislation and programming that comes out of those two committees and
0: task tremendous, force. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. And and actually, I guess quite recently, the state and NAACP conference brought in a, a number of, uh, historically black, black, uh, colleges and, and university, uh, administrators and, and teachers and head of the various, uh, the, the teaching, uh, departments at the various schools here to, to Connecticut, the statewide conference, uh, to help with the minority recruitment and shout out to Scott X and crew in mm-hmm. that regard. Similarly, the st- state, uh, NAACP as part of the national NAACP that's uh, issued a uh, request for a moratorium on the establishment of charter schools, separate from the fact that the charter school applications are still available here and in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But but this whole issue of, again, whether it's Plessy versus Ferguson, Brown versus Board, Sheff versus O'Neill, Part 10, we still see it seem to be caught up in the midst of uh, uh, what what does economic distribution have to do with uh, the quality of education? And that's why I'm so uh, impressed by what, what you're, what you're up to. Uh, what, what else again, because I'm always so anxious when the time kind of begins to, I hear the clock ticking in my mind. What else we have on our agenda that we like to share with people?
1: Well, I, I think that um, when we think about ed reform and a lot of things are focused on, on the big issues, school mm-hmm. funding, um, charter schools, uh, the debate between, choice in traditional neighborhood schools, um, our position is simple that choice equals empowerment
0: mm. Mm.
1: period. So it doesn't matter which type of choice you have in a school district. Parents need to have a choice where mm-hmm. they really send their, sh- or their children to school. Mm-hmm. So if, whether that's an, in, uh, inter or interdistrict magnet schools, if that's just choosing to send your uh, child to a different neighborhood school, or if it's the choice to send them to a charter school. And that's when we talk about educational, uh, funding and the mm. equity. Mm. So parents don't have the choice to send their children to fully funded educational experiences right now. And that's really the most thing, important thing in terms of the the funding piece. But uh, primarily the, the third issue is how stuff is being taught. Mm. When we're in the classroom, mm. okay, are there culturally competent educational practices being embraced or is there a sort of a white behavioral leakage between mm-hmm. teachers and administrators that sort of prevent uh, new practices to forms uh, that would uh, have been proven to benefit uh, children of color, uh, particularly black and Hispanic uh, students. So we want to see uh, compulsory uh, cultural competency training being implemented uh, in a more definitive way at the legislature. I think that we need to get parents involved in sort of uh, advocating for that uh, uh, beyond the uh, big issue of uh, educational funding, because it has a tremendous impact on the, uh, interpersonal relationships yes, in the school. Yes, yes. So students, if they don't have educators of color that they can uh, embrace and see as mentors, at, at the very least, we expect that they have practices and curriculum that matches the diversity. And that's the piece that ties uh, uh, what I call the antecedent to school connectedness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that they will value the experience hmm. much more. And therefore, their, their commitment, you know, that piece of the pie that families yes. have in terms of creating uh, a, a successful educational experience for their kids, they will value it much more. And therefore, you will get better results, more tie-in, and the cascading effect of this uh, w- would be tremendous. It'll have an impact on all the different levels of education from K to 3, the middle school to high school, and um Higher institutions of education as well sure,
0: that, that, that's that's so important when you reference the, the kindergarten through 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 graduate school uh, we've had a few shows and you've referenced uh, implicit explicit bias earlier we've had a few shows on implicit and explicit bias in the social cognitive development lab at Yale the social cognitive development lab at yale uh, prior to that name the this this implicit uh, and explicit this implicit bias test that you've seen in the general uh, social parlance for the last year and a year and a half increasingly so. Uh, the actual test was developed here at Yale, and and when the the Social Cognitive Development uh, Lab uh, here at Yale is kind of an, an extension of that. And Yarrow Dunham, who's, who's the the project, the executive director, the the, the laboratory director, has been on the show. He's going to be on the show and some of his graduate students for this year, because again, the social change, social justice is a theme, and how do we we all have our blind spots? But but uh, the point I wanted to mention, Robert, is that the Social Cognitive De- Development Lab at Yale is doing really a, a lot of profound research on. Pre-K, how three, three, four, and five-year-olds are constructing themselves and creating social meaning and organizing themselves in, if you will, discriminatory fashion. So the the Social Cognitive Development Lab at Yale and Yarrow Dunham, his particular area of research, they're designing interventions and and not tests, but let's just say interventions on how to uh, work with parents and pre-K, three, four, and five-year-olds on how, because those those, those cognitive structures form that, that early. And that's what's really kind of profound, some somewhat depressing, but also enlightening to me to kind of know that there's research. And, and again, I'm not using the word research from a guinea pig standpoint, but, but let's face it, there's, there's something that in our DNA, whether it's a, a genetic defect or just a behavioral defect, or is it just part of our species uh, um, being greedy, but what, what has caused us not to be able to, as Rodney King would say, one of my favorite philosophers, how can we, can we all get get along, um, what other, what other point do you, do you have? Because we were discussing one or two other uh, issues uh, prior during the break. Well, I, I, I think you bring up a good point in terms of
1: having curriculum and educational program that matches the cognitive development of uh, students. And one of the things that's most uh, often omitted is the way that they perceive themselves as, yes. in terms of a racialized other mm-hmm. and the reflection uh, that they have of themselves based on the environment that they're forced to go to every day for school. So I think that, uh, that asks educators to do something a little bit extra or not what they're normally expected to do with in terms of developing curriculum. And I think that's the risk when we talk about educators and adults need to take risk. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that we're asking educators to do across the board is to take some risks mm-hmm. and try to create curriculum that matches the, uh, cognitive development, uh, of youngsters and how they perceive themselves as a racialized other, because, uh, as our, one of the organizations that we work with is, uh, Morales, uh, out of Waterbury. Her organization is called my reflection matters. Hmm. My reflection matters. And she Mm -hmm. specifically talks about uh, getting, uh, different forms of literature as well as educational practices that are non white,
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: um, that work away from, uh, eurocentric tendencies of communicating and uh expressing ourselves and in, i think indeed so i think um you should check out uh, if you're an educator uh, here in Connecticut and you're working to develop a programming or a strategy you should check out the work that she's doing at my reflection matters that's something
0: that we're uh particularly tied to in terms of uh, encouraging educator educators to do that i love that i love that uh the name it's my reflection matters. I love that. Again, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin show and Robert Goodrich is with us, uh, one of the tri founders, if you will, the radical advocates for cross cultural education. Uh and to find out more information about them, you can go to race.net R A Well, it's two C's, I'm sorry, so let me slow down. Yep. R A C C E dot net. I like that still, R A C C dot net. We've had, by the way, Robert uh, Dina Simmons uh on the on the Tom Ficklin show. Dina's, you know, as you know, the Kind of the one of the key people at the Yale Emotional Center for uh, uh, Emotional Intelligence uh, Center, the Yale Emotional Intelligence Center. They're going to have a conference in in two conferences this year in 2017. One in March uh, and one in July, where they work with uh, uh, school systems and parents in terms of as you as you reference, kind of by innuendo, the what is your emotional intelligence uh, and is that kind of a healthy emotional intelligence or or, fe- or a fear based and and, so- and sometimes Pollyanna of yeah. Uh, of of how you perceive your your students and how you perceive yourself. As many as many of our listeners might know, even spe- speaking of Yale, the, there's a professor that uh, uh did a, a recent study on the daycare center providers and how they also are are discriminatory in terms of their behavior just from a, from the daycare standpoint. So there's a lot for us to be involved with. And again, it might seem that this has been an academic discussion today, but I'm I'm really trying to I'm really so glad that Robert could be with us because my intention is kind of just to show that. You can consider it to be an academic uh, experiment. In fact, life can sometimes be an experiment. But nonetheless, whether you believe an experiment is underway or not, people are being affected for whatever reason. So we all might might have to just be scientists and kind of do our own research and exploration. And kind of just explore uh, where where our, inter- our the effect of our interactions by being active, if you so choose. And again, being active does not necessarily mean going to the NAACP meeting or the Black clergy meeting or even your 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 meetings. You're just active in your own home mm-hmm. uh, or at your own place of work. Which again, we we because we can sometimes confine education to just be a to a, twelve a or K through graduate school experience. But life is an education, and so much education or or miseducation is taking place, perhaps. Uh, uh in our, in our daily discourse we hear this term about fake news and social media mm-hmm. so i would i would suggest that perhaps never before on the history of the planet never before on the history of the planet where we've had so much information but perhaps this information has been perhaps just a, a, a climate uh, let's say let's say climate garbage to put it put it quite frankly have we been uh kind of uh, uh, imploded with 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 false information with with fake news with uh uh, with with mystery and suspense and, and angst driven uh, uh, paradigms that really have confused us like never before. Forget about the word trauma. So as we con- as we conclude, and the reason I was so glad to have you on the on the air uh, early in 2017 is this education. Th- Standpoint. This is something we cannot sleep on. I'm, we're not even going to mention in this show what happens after January twentieth. Uh, I say that we have <laughs> this January twentieth impostor, but it's an impo- I use the word impostor because it causes us to say, if you think it's a reality, it does doesn't it have to be your reality. Or can you create a? Is there, are there some alternative realities that we need to kind of put put in place? Uh, but Robert, as we kind of wind down, uh, this again, this is your show. Thank thank you for being here. Uh, Appreciate we're, it. we're going to have you guys back, and maybe even. Ari and and your other tri tri partner, her name, Shante, Shante, maybe they can call in as well or kind of kind of make their renew their passport and come down here to, to, to the studio as well. But any final thoughts in terms of, again, this Tom Ficklin show, we're kind of chatting with Robert Goodrich and again, the radical advocates for cross-cultural education. And and I love, love that term and they can be reached at uh, dot RACCE.net. Any kind of final comments or thoughts or that you'd like to share with us? I, I think
1: it's very important to recognize the amount of data and research that has been done on the uh, key issues in education today. it's it's as you alluded to it's time to move on from the call for more research and more data. We need to get our leaders, mm-hmm. our elected officials mm-hmm. to work in a way that impacts the in the most in positive way the educational system that we have here in Connecticut. Now you have parents that need to link up with legislators. Mm-hmm. We can help parents do that. I think the parents' voices and students' voices need to be centered in this discussion. And I also believe that uh, to get the most amount of change, educators, parents have to partner together and solve
0: these issues in a uh, fashion that works out best for the children. Boy, that's that that that's that's so important. You, in fact, Robert, just as we kind of conclude, you've you've kind of identified the theme in terms specifically in terms of some of our upcoming guests over the next four or five weeks. Uh, Jonathan Berryman, who's a climate leader at one of our elementary schools is going to be on the show, uh, talking about, we, in my day, we used to get spanked or paddled when we were bad, mm-hmm. but, but he's the climate leader. And so what kind of climate is kind of, uh, uh, created in the school. So as, as you've mentioned, so students can feel nurtured and loved and comfortable and, and really uh, thinking about learning, um, Robert Rock, who's a, who's a medical student at the Yale Medical School, will be talking about, believe it or not, implicit and explicit bias in the medical system. Uh, and then Enola Aird will be on the show as well in a few weeks uh, talking about emotional emancipation uh, for, from, from, a, from a Black and, and uh, Afrocentric standpoint. So you, I really appreciate your kind of being part of this, this theme, this ongoing message that we're trying to communicate, not just from a cognitive standpoint, but as you say, from the emotional, proactive, and living and breathing, and kind of a, a collective understanding that we all are, We all are in this together. Just thank you so much, Robert, for being on the show, and and, uh, we hope to have you back soon. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. All right.